Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Hope your Friday is going well. It's Friday, February 16, 2024, and you are listening. If you're new, welcome on board EWTN. This program, Catholic Connection, is, as you heard, co-produced by Ave Maria Radio in southeastern Michigan and EWTN in Irondale, Alabama. Coming up, speaking of EW10, as we always do, we will have uh, the amazing Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer, and we always talk about, well, the inside word, giving you an update on what's coming up in our programming, both radio and TV, but also, Doug and I also almost always have great, great conversations about what's going on in the world and how we try to cover that for you and bring that to you in so many different ways and formats. So that's coming up at 15 minutes past the hour. Fact Check Friday at the bottom of the hour, taking a look at uh, what's happening in terms of recognition of problems with the media. I don't know if you heard, we had the story yesterday, I believe, a major lawsuit involving a number of school districts and even major cities, including Manhattan, New York City, is actually going to be, well, all of Manhattan, all of New York, not just Manhattan, but uh, New York City is going to be uh, filing or joining that lawsuit. And why are they doing that? Because there is somewhat of a wake-up call. They just need to continue to connect the dots. So we'll talk about that in Fact Check Friday. And then wrapping up with a very unique story, I'd like to thank my friend John Hill from Corporate Travel Services, very involved with the uh, Vatican Patrons of the Arts and All Things Rome, shared this uh, story about the academics at the Catholic Institute of Technology. So Dr. Jeff Kleck is actually the Dean of Academics, and this is a location set to open this fall, located in beautiful Castel Gandolfo. Now, Castel Gandolfo is a spot, is a site, but it's also a, a town, if you can imagine that. It's south of Rome, and it sits on Lake Albano, which is a volcanic lake. It's really just very peaceful and beautiful, and it used to be the summer home of the Pope, and so there's actually a little castle there. It looks like a castle, but it's, it's the old summer residence of the Pope, which is now open to the public. It's beautiful. It's a museum. You can go through and see all these great artifacts from papal history and whatnot, but then it's also a town. Castle Gandolfo is a town, and so you can visit it there. There's a beautiful church, and it's just lovely. Now it's home to this research center for technology and science. And this will be really interesting. It's a nice little visit maybe if you've never been to Castle Gandolfo, especially in the summertime if you're in Rome. You can be there in like 30, 40 minutes, and it's just lovely. There will be cool lake breezes, and you're up in the mountains. It's gorgeous. So we'll talk about that with Jeff Kleck. He's a dean of academics at Catholic Institute of Technology. So that's coming up as well. All right, let's talk about the weather because we still have some uh, lingering storms. It was interesting yesterday. I did the weather for our local hour, the first hour of Catholic Connection for Michigan, Ohio, and it looked like it was going to be a pretty nice day. Now, they did talk about a little bit of snow possibly, but from the weather map I had, it was like above the Detroit area where we live. And so I'm running errands yesterday after work and hit this squall that was crazy. We had accidents all over the place, and that's something that we didn't expect. We had like a half an inch of snow, and it wasn't uh, the correct forecast. But, hey, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just reporting what the National Weather Service says. So here we go. They are talking about now accumulation of snow across a large portion of the lower 48 and active weather in the west. Now, they're saying there's a fast-moving storm producing accumulating snow from upstate New York into portions of New England, and that is scheduled for today. Widespread lake effect snow showers expected downwind of the Great Lakes through tomorrow, and then more snow expected from the central plains to the mid-Atlantic. The west will remain active into early next week with several rounds of rain and mountain snow. So that's the national weather forecast. Just keeping that in mind for you if you're traveling at all or if you're in the, along the east coast, which is still struggling with some rough weather. Already four minutes past the hour. I do hope you're having a great Friday. The uh, Friday after, right, Ash Wednesday, when this is Lent. We are in Lent now, and we'll talk all about that as well, I'm sure, with Doug Keck and programming that can help you through this very important Lenten season. Let's get started with the news on a Friday. Well, Michael Kastner tells us that the victims of the Kansas City Super Bowl victory rally shooting were remembered last night in a special candlelight vigil. Wednesday's mass shooting left one woman dead and almost two dozen others injured, including many children. 
Community and faith leaders joined the friends and families of those impacted to show their support. Authorities say they believe the tragedy stemmed from a personal dispute and was not a deliberate attack on the celebratory event. The police, meanwhile, the police chief in Kansas City, says the Super Bowl shooting started as a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire. We have subjects detained, two of which are juveniles. And it should be noted we have recovered several firearms. One person killed again as a gunfire broke out among the crowd of thousands earlier this week. And the police chief adding that half of the 22 victims who were wounded are under the age of 16. And the lone fatality so far, according to local news reports, and you can find out more about Lisa Lovas Galvin at CatholicNewsAgency.com, was a local radio DJ and a parishioner at Sacred Heart Guadalupe Parish in Kansas City. She was a popular 44-year-old local disc jockey, also the mother of two, and was killed as a gunfire broke out on Wednesday. Police again in the news conference saying the initial uh, investigation, as you heard, pointed to a dispute between people that ended in the gunfire. Archbishop Joseph Nauman of Kansas City in Kansas, which encompasses a suburb where Lopez Galvin lived, saying in a statement to Catholic News Agency that his prayers and deepest condolences go out to her family. He said, we are surrounding her family with our love and support. She was a beloved member of our faith community. And shortly after the deadly shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration, Florida Senator Rick Scott reflecting on his actions as governor in the days after the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School massacre in Parkland. He says he brought together mental health counselors, teachers, and law enforcement and helped pass legislation to invest in mental health and risk assessment and making sure there were plenty of cops in every school. I think we've done more than any state in the country. As I travel the country, I'm always shocked when I see a school with no fencing up and no law enforcement. He says he believes after every shooting, we need to look officially into or critically into what can be done to prevent it from happening again. But he also stresses he won't be infringing on Second Amendment rights. The theme for the World Day of Grandparents and the Elderly, which will be celebrated this summer on July 28th, has been now chosen by the Pope. According to the Holy See Press Office, CNA explains the theme this year is Do Not Cast Me Off in My Old Age, which comes from Psalm 71. The press release from yesterday noting that in choosing the verse, the Holy Father's desire is to call attention to the fact that, sadly, loneliness is the bitter lot in life of many elderly persons, so often the victims of the throwaway culture. Pope Francis, meanwhile, will be visiting Venice in April. During his one-day pastoral trip to the Italian city on April 28th, the Holy Father will make a stop at an art exhibition. The Vatican says the Pope will spend time at the pavilion called With My Eyes at the exhibition. Francis will also spend time with members of the local church community there. In Nebraska, a state legislative committee hearing discussion on a bill that would allow state teachers to practice their religion on the job. Legislative Bill 1034, introduced by Nebraska Senator Lauren Lippincott, if passed, educators in Nebraska would be allowed to pray at schools, distribute religious materials with coworkers, and sponsor religious student clubs. Opponents of the measure say it's too broad and could allow school employees to impose their religion, but Lippincott says many religious rights are extended to students, so teachers should have the same rights. Another story from Michael Kastner this morning. He has a latest from a Russian opposition leader who was killed, or who died, actually. Moving Reports right along. today from Russian media say the staunch critic of President Vladimir Putin died while behind bars at the age of 47. Navalny led protests against the Kremlin for more than a decade, even daring to run against Putin. Back in 2020, he fell ill from a military nerve agent, poisoned, he said, on the direct orders of Vladimir Putin. He was sentenced last August to a maximum security penal colony on charges of extremism. The Interfax News Agency says Navalny passed away after going on a short walk with efforts to revive him unsuccessful. Egypt, Egypt appears to be setting up a refugee shelter near the Gaza border in case Israel invades the southern city of Rafah. Egypt has denied preparing for refugees in the Sinai Peninsula, but sources telling Reuters News Service that an area is being prepped near Gaza that would have basic facilities to accommodate Palestinians in case of an Israeli offensive drives of them over the border seeking sanctuary. Israel has said it was planning to take out the last bastion of Hamas militants in Rafah where over a million Palestinians have evacuated to in an attempt to escape bombing in other parts of the Gaza Strip. Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday asking the Florida Department of Education to take action against people who he says are politicizing the parental objections process to weed out inappropriate books. 
is trying to obscure the reason why parents have been concerned and they're basically trying to just confuse the issue to act like classic works are somehow not welcome. Nothing could be further from the truth. The governor is saying the classics such as To Kill a Mockingbird, Romeo and Juliet, Charlotte's Web, The Diary of Anne Frank are not being banned. He also says individual school districts are responsible for upholding state education standards and policing inappropriate material. Scott Pringle tells us several suspects believed to be migrants in the Times Square attack on police officers expected in court. The five suspects due in court are part of a larger group accused of attacking two police officers. This was outside a migrant shelter in Times Square in January. Federal immigration officials tell the New York Post that two of the suspects are Venezuelan street gang members. So far, eight people have been charged with the January 27th attack that was captured on video. More suspects are being sought. Authorities have found a semi-submersible vessel filled with over four tons of cocaine during a search and rescue mission off the Pacific coast of Colombia. Officers say they were looking for missing fishermen when the 50-foot-long vessel was detected on Wednesday. The Colombian Navy and Air Force, as well as the Ecuadorian Navy, intercepted the so-called narco sub during a joint operation. Officials say four people on the sub were arrested and 205 packages of different sizes and shapes ended up testing positive for cocaine. Authorities are reportedly still looking for the fishermen. And Natalie Miliori tells us that federal investigators are continuing their probe into New York City's building inspections. The homes of two FDNY chiefs were searched as part of the investigation into whether members of the fire department were accepting payment to expedite mandatory inspections. Chiefs Brian Cordasco and Anthony Sacavino oversee safety inspections and have not been accused of any wrongdoing. But they have been placed on modified duty due to the ongoing case. Besides searching the homes in Staten Island and Brooklyn, investigators also executed a search warrant at the fire department headquarters. The raids do not seem to be connected to the federal investigation into Mayor Adams' campaign funds, which started developing around the same time. The producer price index rising more than expected last month. The Labor Department reporting wholesale prices increasing three-tenths of a percent after a slight decline back in December. Economists say the spike complicates the inflation picture, the PPI measuring the price producers pay for goods and services. And Matt Madison explains a white woman who was accused of misidentifying as a black a decade ago has now lost her teaching job in the state of Arizona. Rachel Dolezal, as she was known before legally changing her name, was let go from her job at a Tucson area elementary school after the school district discovered she was posting adult content to her OnlyFans account. The now 46-year-old made headlines back in 2015 for pretending to be black while acting as a civil rights leader and African studies professor in Washington state, where she headed up a local chapter of the NAACP. Oklahoma Congressman Frank Lucas issuing a warning about research theft. He's chair of the House Science, Space and Technology Committee. And during a hearing today or yesterday, actually, he said Congress has to do more to protect America's research. Research theft is one of the single greatest threats to our uh, competitiveness as a nation. It takes our hard-won innovation and puts it to work for our adversaries. Lucas says China has been explicit about stealing American research to further its own technological process and adds American scientists are having trouble implementing their own research guidelines because there are no government-wide standards in place. Katie Gray tells us healthcare professionals are very concerned as they say they're seeing a rise in cancer cases in younger people. Over the last three decades, cancer researchers have been keeping a closer eye on the alarming trend of the increasing rate of cancer diagnoses in people under the age of 50. Hartford Healthcare Cancer Institute reports show that in 2019, new cancer diagnoses were up 79% and cancer deaths were also up 28%. Early onset breast and colon cancer are among the most common of these early onset cancers, yet many other types are also rising worldwide. Scientists suspect that the rise is likely linked to lifestyle and environmental factors. The FDA recalling nearly 60 dairy products contaminated with listeria, a national outbreak of listeria linked to cheese, yogurt, and sour cream made by the Rizzo Lopez Foods and sold under over a dozen brand names. The outbreak is linked to two deaths and 23 hospitalizations. And finally, in our new segment on a Friday morning at 14 minutes past the hour, it's February 16th, Bree Tennis tells us, hey, take that vacation. It's good for you. Here she is.
The Bureau of Labor Statistics says the average American vacation is 10 to 14 days, with eight days as the sweet spot. That's enough time to boost mental health, strengthen relationships, and expand our social awareness, in turn making us better employees. Psychology Today says a vacay triggers neurotransmitters in the brain that reduce stress and improves cognitive function. Until the bill comes. We are EWTN. Don't take a vacation with us. Take us with you everywhere because we are everywhere, including all of our apps and all kinds of great programming. And we'll talk about that with Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer, up next on a Friday morning. And don't forget, Divine Intimacy Radio, Sundays at 6.30 and 11 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio with Dan and Stephanie Burke, showing you how to surrender to God's divine providence. We'll be right back. Doug Keck. In the, what's that? Well, he's uh, waiting. He's up on deck waiting for us. We'll be right back. Walk through the doors of Cantora Italian Market in Plymouth and you are instantly transported to Italy. Hi, I'm Teresa Tamio, and you can choose from a curated assortment of unique food and wines that you won't find at your local supermarket. Fresh handmade pasta, gourmet wine and cheese made from scratch bread and desserts and high quality meats and poultry. Don't forget to stop for lunch or dinner at the attached award-winning restaurant For directions, visit CantoroMarket.com. That's CantoroMarket.com. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at VisitingAngels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. My wife Janet's ancestors arrived in America on the Mayflower, but we never knew that the Catholic missionaries arrived in Florida 50 years earlier. Visit the site where the cross was first planted, where Mass was celebrated, and the first Marian shrine in the New World. Renew baptismal vows in the cathedral in its first baptismal font. Hope you can join us in La Florida, the land of flowers. To learn more about your Ave Maria Radio trip, find the Ave Maria Radio travel tab at AveMariaRadio.net. 18 minutes past the hour. Always great to catch up with Doug Keck, our President and Chief Operating Officer of EWTN. Great time of year, Doug, and there's so much that we offer at EWTN to help people not only just get through Lent, but make the most of it. Good morning. Thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, always great to be with you, Teresa. Yeah, obviously, you know, we're, Lent just kicked off on Wednesday, kind of, a, you know, with uh, Valentine's Day and Lent, and I guess the line is you can't have... Uh, you know, uh, Valentine's Day without Lent, L-E-N-T, in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an Ooh, interesting beginning for that's us. That's cool. Uh, I hadn't heard know. that. That wasn't from me. I oh. uh, I heard it from other people. I'm not oh. claiming ownership at all. Uh, but I thought it was cute and, uh, you know, it kind of fit in there. And, of course, we have all of our great programming, uh, of course. Uh, you know, we just came out of, obviously, Ash Wednesday. We're now mm-hmm. into Lent. Obviously, we just came out of Our Lady of Lords. We've got a nice program, Dominican Sisters of Mary, uh-huh. that will be airing uh, tomorrow. You know them quite mm-hmm. well. Uh, Mother of the Eucharist, Vice to Virtue with a Father Nick Monco. I don't know if you know him personally, Mm-mm. you might, but he's the one hosting the show. We've also got another program airing tomorrow, Acedia, the Diabolical in Disguise, dealing with uh, sadness and depression uh, through the eyes of faith. Uh, and coming up also on Sunday, we've got Lent, a Season of Grace, a Time of Conversion with uh, Father Cedric, Passionist. And he'll be doing that. Uh, and then we've got Lenten Reflections kicking off with a new episode each week. And that's starting on Sunday uh, at 11.30 p.m. We always do those Lenten Reflections, usually from uh, priests in Europe. So it's kind of mm-hmm. an interesting, uh, you know, dash into uh, into Lent and uh, a sense of what's going on internationally. And next week, Women of Grace has got some new episodes with our old friend Jennifer Roback-Morse. Uh, we'll be on there talking about how elite 
ideologies are destroying lives. Well, uh, we were just talking about that during the something break. We were just talking <laughs> offline about certain people and their 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 sense uh, of being above it all and some of the problems that that cause. And heaven forbid you question them, because who are you to? Ask them a question. Of course, we've got the mystery of Walsingham, Our Lady's Holy House Foundation. Uh, that's coming up next week on the 20th. That's on Tuesday. People can look for that at 5.30 p.m. Jim and Joy have some interesting guests on next week. Uh, and also, I'm with you, a documentary on Carlo Acutis. Oh. Filmed on location in Italy. That'll be airing ooh, next ooh, week. Ooh. When's that? Next Thursday at 5.30 p.m. And your friend, um, Chuck. Chuck Edica. Yeah, he's going to be on with uh, Jim and Joy next week, so people can check that out as well. Yeah, Chuck has got a really interesting story. He's a revert to the faith. He he never kind of like walked away because he didn't like the church. He just kind of fell out of Catholicism. He, fl- he floated away with he the rest away. of us. He floated away. He floated away with the rest all, of us. We all just floated away. Right. Yeah, he's That's a fascinating happened. story, and uh, he came back to the church, and his wife also uh, is Catholic now. So it's it's a great story, and I hope you get a chance to meet him. He's a super nice guy. But, yeah, he, okay. was, a, he, he was a big um, media personality here and always a, a faithful Christian. He was he a weatherman at the time? He was a big weatherman, big That's weather what guy. I thought. I thought yeah, I thought meteorologist. I and he's retired now, but uh, he's so excited. He was on the Good News Cruise with us, and he's so excited that he's going down to EW10. I was telling him all about the studios and how beautiful right. it is. And if you get a okay. chance, go to Hansville. So he's he's just yeah, absolutely. If you're so going to come down here, you're definitely going to go visit. Yeah, the yeah. So that'll be nice, and, and I hope people do tune in because he's got a beautiful story uh, reversed well, to the Look faith. Look forward to it then. Uh, so I wanted to, to talk a little bit about because I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, um, Mother Angelica. I, I just feel a connection to her, obviously, because of our similarities in Italian upbringing but she loved Lent didn't she (laughs) yes yes see mother always you know mother realized that you know we have to be reminded about our dependence on on the Lord because it's when we we lose that sense of dependence that we, we that we go astray and we have our problems. When we start thinking we know better, right. or we're self sufficient, or all these other things, that's when we stray. And uh, that's why the idea and Mother's understanding of uh, the power of suffering and redemptive suffering. That idea. That's why, as Catholics, you know, we we have our Lord on the cross, not because we don't believe He was resurrected, but as as Father Groeschel would say, it's because. More, uh, none of us have been resurrected yet, okay? Mm-hmm. None of us have had that Easter experience. But we've all been up on the cross at different times and different stages in our own life. And we can relate to that. And to see God willing to take on that pain for all of us makes it easier for us when we're going through our own cross. Uh, you know, we've been recently praying this beautiful cross prayer, which talks about how God, you know, basically makes his cross specifically for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that uh, that you need to carry but isn't too heavy and fits you perfectly. And you're going to have a cross whether you like it or not. And so in that way, you have to embrace it. And by embracing it, you you, you realize that it's a way for you to refine yourself. That's what we're going through. Lent is a time of purification, of reflection, of seeing what are the things that I can try and do better. We all fail and, and come up short of the glory of God, and all of us are are imperfect. Um, you know, sometimes this straw man gets put out there uh, in the church of, well, you know, if you're not perfect, then we can't do this. Is that what right. you're saying? And it's nobody's saying that. That's a total straw man. Nobody's perfect. Okay, we don't. Our Lord and Our Lady, maybe you know, yeah. in that way, but. But I don't want to get theological, but the reality is in the everyday thing, nobody is. But if you're striving, that's what our Lord is looking for. But the idea of saying, well, God loves me just the way I am, which means I can stay just where I, I am. Do whatever I want. Right. Is, yeah. is what, the, what the servant with the one talent who buried it thought was what he was doing. He took the talent he was given, buried it, and gave it back and said, well, this is what you gave me, and I'm giving it back to you. And our Lord said, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I gave it to you to do something with it, and you haven't. And so if you're not taking your life and doing something positive with it, uh, then you're not living up to what our Lord is asking you to do, whether that's raising your kids, your family, loving your wife, uh, being as charitable, as welcoming as you can be, uh, living out a Christian life as best you have the ability to do it. I always think, and, and I know that this was so important to Mother, the pro-life issue, but I always think of what we do every year at the March for Life, it, in particular in Washington because it's so cold. Right. <laughs> I, think of that, I think of that as a purgation for all of us in the pro-life movement, all of us there right. you know, purging ourselves and sacrificing because it, it's, it's hard work, I mean, and it's hard for people to get their schedules to go and to march all day long, it's, and it's exhausting, right. but it's so encouraging. But at the same time, I really think that that cold weather, rarely have we had nice days in D.C., but 
I think that right. is a way for us to, to purge a lot of the evils of abortion. Well, it also shows the sacrificial nature, as you right. said, of what it is. It's not like you're going out there and it's uh, it's in the merry month of May or something, and it's a beautiful time to be in uh, Washington, and why not stop by there anyway? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to visit the Lincoln Memorial and look, look at the right. beautiful flowers and the trees and the blossoms, and I'll happen to go to this march. It's, no, it's it's a total sacrifice to say, am I willing to do this and put up with horrible weather and things like that? Because it's important. It's important. And it reminds you that this is important, and that's why you're willing to sacrifice for it. Amen. And Mother Angelica taught us so much about that. Doug, have yep. a great weekend. Good to talk to you, you too. again. Doug is our President and Chief Operating Officer. EWTN.com for all the great programming information. We'll be right back. of Friday, beginning of Lent, which of course began on Ash Wednesday. Today is February 16, 2024. Great to be with you on a Friday and every day, Monday through Friday here at Catholic Connection. And please don't forget today, uh, our segment Fact Check Friday, talking about resources as we always do. But one of the best and largest, thanks be to God, is us. EW10, as Doug just mentioned, all the different programming that you have access to, all the different articles online, all the different great research to find out what's happening in the news. You have EWTN News Nightly. You have Raymond Show the world over. You have EWTN News In-Depth, Pro-Life Weekly, National Catholic Register, Catholic News Agency, on and on and on. And we are everywhere. And it's super, super important to remember that, especially during this time of Lent. And we see the world just going crazier and crazier by the minute. But we stand strong, God willing, in the midst of this all to provide you with great resources. All right, speaking of which, it's very, very interesting to see what is going on in terms of a recognition, or what I call a recognition, of media problems. Now, my very, very first book, Noise, which came out in 2007 and was updated in 2012, not only looked at the issue of media bias, which is huge, and the research backs that up, and I have tons of studies, not only in that book, but also uh, in my Extreme Makeover book. And pretty much every book I write, I do talk about media influence. And Our, our Sunday Visitor published my Beyond Sunday book, which has a whole section on how we've been catechized often, as was the case with me and my husband, by the culture versus allowing ourselves to be catechized by Jesus and our faith. But we see the, the consumption of media rising over and over and over again. So the latest statistics show, on average, children between the ages, or young people between the ages of 8 to 18, spend a whopping seven and a half hours in front of screens. Now, this is for entertainment every single day, okay? With four and a half hours specifically dedicated to watching television. It doesn't say how they're watching television, whether they're watching it on their phones, which is very, very likely, uh, or on their laptops, or just on a TV, maybe in their room. Now, the CDC says over a year, this adds up to 114 full days spent watching screens just for fun. And this does not include, again, I stress, and these are government statistics, this does not include time spent on educational computers, like if they're at school, right, or at the library, or if they're doing homework. So this is separate from the screen time. That's necessary nowadays, obviously. 8 to 18 years old, spending a whopping seven and a half hours in front of screens for entertainment purposes. The CDC goes on to say that physical activity is actually being ignored because of this, and they're recommending kids get at least 60 minutes of physical activity daily. So how are they going to do that if they are glued to their devices? Seven and a half hours in front of screens merely for entertainment. Four and a half hours specifically dedicated to watching TV. Now, part of that also deals with the issue of social media because much of what kids are watching for entertainment comes from social media, screens for entertainment. If you look at TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, all of those things, but I would say especially for younger people, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, not so much Facebook, but Snapchat and YouTube, are huge in the life of most children and young people. So more and more people are moving in 
on this effort to raise awareness on this. Why? Because, again, you follow the money. It's costing different cities, school districts. And if you remember, uh, the very liberal head of one of the teachers' unions a few months ago actually came out and the same person who were the people who were pushing parents out during COVID when parents were expressing concern about learning what their kids are being taught because most of the kids were doing learning at home. They were pushing parents out and saying, we don't want to hear from you. These same people are now saying we need the parents because these children who got even more hooked on the media during COVID are coming to school and in many cases they are spending way too much time on their phones, on social media, and they're seeing the fallout in the schools in terms of the way they relate to other students and the way they treat the teachers. And they were claiming earlier this year, and I think I had the, maybe it was even December I talked about this, I can't remember, but it's fairly recent. They were saying that the situation was out of control and that just for the school districts, it's costing them millions of dollars to try to, you know, put the genie back in the bottle, which is not going to happen, unfortunately, because of the exposure. But it's out of control in many ways in the classrooms because of all the exposure that kids have had to social media. So if you heard the news earlier this week, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, says the city is now joining hundreds of school districts from around the country filing major litigation against the social media outlets that we just mentioned. Again, we're talking about TikTok, Instagram, Facebook as well, although the research shows that kids are more into the others than Facebook. That's more for uh, adults. But TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and YouTube. The lawsuit is an effort, he says, to force the social media giants to change their behavior and also, again, follow the money. And this is just for New York City. Recover the cost of addressing the public health threat. Mayor Adams says New York City alone spends more than $100 million on youth mental health services each year. And so as bad as this is in terms of the influence of social media, there is, I think, some sort of an awakening going on where people who often promote a lifestyle that is all about me and you can do what you want and there's no rules and we can watch as much TV as we want and consume as much media, this very loosey-goosey type of approach to life are seeing the fallout from that and it's costing them money. Last year, you remember, the uh, Surgeon General came out with not just one but two reports, one of which was dedicated to depression, attempted suicide, drug use among teens, and their exposure to social media. Just recently, and Dr. Ray and I talked about this, I believe he was on the show on Monday, if not late last week, yet another report coming out and showing the increased use of alcohol and other substances among young people. Why? Because the vast majority of those surveyed and researched over the past 10 years say they feel a sense of loneliness and also hopelessness. And as Dr. Ray mentioned, because we've pushed God out of everything and claiming that it's all about me and as long as I do what I want and get what I want, then I'll be completely happy. Well, go figure, it doesn't work. And now we continue to see the fallout. So there, there is a light, I think, amongst this darkness of, of all this overexposure to media where people in very prominent positions are waking up and realizing that this is not a good thing. Now, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Obviously, media can be used wisely and well. And even in many cases, obviously, the secular media. For example, the beautiful movie about Mother Cabrini is coming out. And that's something that everybody should see, whether you're a Catholic or whether you're atheist or agnostic. It's an incredible story of a strong woman who was determined to make a difference, and she did. So you can see where media can be used wisely, or what we do here at EW10 or the various uh, outlets from the Vatican. But this is an opportunity to help people connect the dots and to wake people up and to enter into a conversation about media use and what children are being exposed to. Even very liberal cities like New York are saying, basta, enough is enough, and we have to protect our kids. That's your Fact Check Friday on February 16th. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
You know, I love to talk about all things Italy. Well, this is a really cool story that was shared with me by my friend John Hale from Corporate Travel. Dr. Jeff Kleck is on the phone with us. He's Dean of Academics at Catholic Institute of Technology. And, Doctor, this just sounds amazing. I don't know how much studying you could do, though, if you're in Castle Gandolfo, because it's such a pretty area. I'd be out on the balcony looking over Lake Albano. It's just gorgeous. So tell us about the Catholic Institute. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. And you're absolutely right. It's going to be tough, right? Yeah, it's Um, so pretty there. Yeah, yeah, it is so pretty there. I love it there. Uh, So Catholic Institute of Technology, you know, um, uh, going right now, uh, first inaugural class starting uh, September of uh, this year, 2024. So we're really looking forward to opening the doors. Uh, We have... uh, Students or our prospective students, I shouldn't say just prospective because, you know, there have been uh, folks accepted. Um, we have rolling admissions that are going on now through April 15th. So if, uh, if you know of, you know, young men and women who, uh, are, would fit, uh, wonderful STEM education being given by wonderful faculty of the humanities and uh, the engineering and sciences, then uh, going to Castel Gandolfo and going to Catholic Institute of Technology is probably the thing for them. So for those who aren't familiar with uh, Castel Gandolfo, I was describing its location. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, lakeside town in the mountains just south of Rome, and it used to be the summer home of the Pope. The town itself is beautiful. So where is the institute located? Because you have the the former papal summer palace there and the little town and the church, which is so pretty. Where are you in in that region? Ah, so, you know, of course, Castel Gandolfo is, uh, you know, village, little mm-hmm. town, uh, sitting on the rim of an ancient, you know, volcanic crater, which, of course, is Lake Albano in the bottom of the crater. And, you know, on that crater, like you said, you know, the, uh, the Pope's, um, you know, former summer residence um, and, you know, the uh, papal gardens, there are papal gardens there and the Vatican Observatory. So just below... Um, so if you go down, just go down the rim from that. Uh, okay. Just, uh, yep. A, you know, a few minutes walk away is the um, is the campus. Wow. So tell us your involvement. Yeah. So yeah. How, right how, yeah. How that started with you, and then how long? So this is brand new, right? The Catholic Institute of Technology. It is. You know, it's it, it's been in the works and the minds of the founders and and the members of the board of trustees for a while. Um, and, you know, it's all come together this year, you know, so a lot of work, even though it looks like it suddenly, you know, sprang out of air, the reality, it's been the thinking and the brainchild of so many folks that have been working on it for some time. Um, our founders, the board of trustees, uh, many of the yeah, uh, folks that are participating as faculty. Um, so this is really just the culmination of all that time spent in. So we have Faculty coming from um, MIT, you know, I'm, you know, from Stanford. Those are two of the top-ranked engineering and science universities in the United States. Uh, Catholic Institute of Technology is a U.S. university, so our our U.S. headquarters are in Cambridge, Massachusetts, of course, adjacent to schools like uh, MIT and Harvard. Um, and our campus, though, of course, is in Castel Gandolfo in Italy. So we're a U.S.-based university with a campus in Italy. So how did you get involved? Uh, I got involved, um, yeah, strangely enough, um, I was uh, uh, reading news. I was reading some news that someone had shared with me, which included information on um, on uh, Catholic Institute of Technology starting, and I was just so compelled. I re- reached out to um, the founders and the the president, and I said, "You know, what is this all about?" I'm I'm a faculty member at uh, Stanford. Was a faculty member at Stanford, still am, um, and uh, I just thought this was one of the most amazing things I had heard of in a long time. A new U.S. university being started. Uh, and focused on STEM and the Catholic Church supporting it. Uh, and so as I reached out and learned more, I got, you know, um, um, pulled in. And I was happy to, to be pulled in to help. 
So, uh, Dr. Jeff, how much time will you be spending there each year, do you think? Uh, so I will be spending quite a bit of time there each year. So our, our faculty um, our faculty will be living there, obviously teaching there, as the students will be living there as well, uh, nine months out of the year. Wow. Um, so three of the quarters. Um, because I am doing um, both, I'm the dean of academics, but I'm also the chairman of entrepreneurship and technology commercialization. So a lot of my work, will be also moving around, working with those members of private institutes, public institutes, government institutes, uh, and universities, uh, research labs, and you know places like this in the Silicon Valley to make sure that we have built a, a lot of bridges and connections between ca uh, Catholic tech and the um, and the world that these engineers will be one day leading for us. Absolutely. Talking with Dr. Jeff Kleck, Dean of Academics at Catholic Institute of Technology. Check out their uh, wonderful website, very simply catholic.tech, and you can check it out online, all the information there again, catholic.tech. So how, what do you need to do to apply? You just have to have an interest as a student in, in the area of um, scientific research and Institute of Technology, I mean, wanting to, to pursue science. I mean, what's the basis for kids applying to the university? You, you know, I think students that um, that have a disposition are interested in a STEM education, which I believe is just a wonderful education, regardless of what you're going to do in life, because of you know the scientific method, creative thinking, uh, uh, the uh, collaboration. I think all those students should be applying um, to Catholic Tech, and you just need to go to Catholic.tech and all the information there on application. And we have a rolling admission process. So the, the beauty of this, I know it's such an ordeal for uh, folks to go through the process of applying to universities, but you hear from us very quickly, and, um, and you know, we admit people you know, continuously, and we will through uh, April 15th. So if a student hasn't already applied, um, they should go to catholic.tech get the application in, and, um, and let's see if, uh, if they can join us in Castel Gandolfo in September. So they do need to be interested, though, in the sciences, correct? Yes, I think that's important. Um, the, uh, our, our focus is on um, uh, our initial degrees. We will have more, but our initial focus is on um, mechanical engineering, civil engineering, electrical engineering, computer science, biomedical engineering, and the biological sciences. Um, so if they're, they think they're interested in any of those um, or related fields, then they should be applying. So what if they're already enrolled uh, in another university, doctor, but are interested in all those things and wanted to have an experience at the Catholic Institute of Technology? Is that possible? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They should, they should apply. Anyway, we... In addition to the new students that are coming in as freshmen, we have a program with uh, we call the Newman Fellows. Mm -hmm. Of course, these are folks that have even completed, um, uh, done work and completed degrees, and then realize, you know, this is you know, Catholic Institute of Technology is probably the right place for them. So we have folks coming out of existing degree programs and graduates of degree programs that are coming here, you know, for their STEM education. Uh, this is an awesome opportunity, and I'm looking at the website, and I'm thinking, and by the way, if you're just joining us on Catholic Connection on a Friday, we're having a chat with Dr. Jeff Kleck, Dean of Academics at Catholic Institute of Technology, which is based in the beautiful town of Castle Gandolfo, south of Rome, catholic.tech. What an opportunity, not only, obviously, to learn about the Catholic connection to the sciences and all the great uh, knowledge that we have in that area. Of course, Dr. Spitzer has done so much in terms of helping us embrace that, or Father Spitzer, who's also a, a Ph.D. as well. But I'm thinking, Doctor, of them being in the shadow of Rome and living the Italian lifestyle and embracing the beauty, that's going to make them very well-rounded if, in fact, they are able to get out away from the classroom setting, which I'm thinking is probably one of the reasons you wanted that location, because it would be a very well-rounded education. You're, you're absolutely right. And I've spent so much time talking about the STEM education, but on the humanities side, our students are taking Italian, they're taking the classics, 
uh, theology, philosophy. I noticed that on the website. So, That's very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I wish I could go, you know, invent a time machine, go back and do this, you know, from the very beginning and it was in, and become a student at Catholic Tech. Absolutely. And, and that being in the heart of, uh, in the heart of Latium and close to Rome. And of course, we already have relationships with many universities in Italy. And we'll be, of course, taking our students, um, you know, out and about to discover, you know, we, of course, you know, it was the Catholic Church that, you know, uh, that started the Renaissance. Right. Um, you know, there is so much, so much to learn by being there. So I really, I really am looking forward to how these students are going to grow and the opportunities they're going to have in front of them. Yeah, because the whole idea is, as you say in your, in your advertising, is to educate the next generation of Catholic saints, scholars, and scientists, right? Yes, yes, that's absolutely the case. I think these students are going to be the folks that are going to help you know, lead, lead us you know, for the next generation and generations to come because Catholic Tech is here now and it will be here for a long, long time. So are there scholarships available? There are scholarships available. So um, part of the process, again, at Catholic.Tech, if you go there and find the uh, admissions information and the application, um, there's also information on scholarships. So uh, we love talking to students about that because we want to make sure that the, we give every student the opportunity to come there who is uh you know, who would like to be there and, of course, you know, can come and help us make a difference. Now, what about housing? Will they be staying in that area of, of Lazio, in, in Castel Gandolfo? Uh, they... no, that's, you know, that's a great question. We are so fortunate. Our campus has housing for all of our students. Um, so we will be able to house all the students right there on the campus which is just such an amazing experience to be able to, you know, participate with all the other fellow students and not only the academic activities, but of course, Catholic life um, and, uh, you know, everything beyond sports activities. Uh, so we have quite a bit, you know, um, we have a quite a bit for a, a really immersive experience for yeah. the students. Uh, of course, they'll be able to, you know, leave the campus and explore um, but they'll just have a wonderful pl uh, opportunity to be in a great place to live. How many students can you accommodate at the at the campus there? Uh, so our first class will probably have on the order of about 50 students um, because we uh, 50 incoming uh, students because we view initially um, for the first four years when we have uh, uh, have gone through four years we'll have about 200 to 250 students on campus. Um, so that will be, that's the initial size of the university. Then we'll grow. Our expectations are, um, you know, we can grow to about, with time, about 1,000 students mm -hmm. total. But, but that's great because that really gives them a, a real personal experience because one, one of the reasons, and this is going back a long time, but not to digress, but I, I chose a particular college for myself because I was going into journalism and I didn't want to go into a huge, huge college. I went to a smaller college that had a really good journalism program and found that the attention, the personal attention was so important. That's exactly right. Um, and we want to keep it that way. The, the student-faculty ratio is six to one, and that is wow. So because, That's great. Yeah, I know. I, you, know, you know, I would again. I would love to go back and <clears throat> have that kind of student-faculty ratio when I went to school, um, yeah. because it does mean that there's individual attention to all of the students. Um, well, this we is. Like I, I don't mean to interrupt you. I have about this ten seconds left, but this is really exciting. Even though engineering is not my background, my husband is a retired uh, architectural and electrical engineer, and I can't wait to tell him about this because he'll probably show up in <laughs> Castle Gandolfo <laughs> and do that time machine thing and sit in the classes. Doctor, congratulations on this, and what a great opportunity! Uh, and I'd love to hear more about it as well. Keep up the great work, Catholic Tech. Wow, so cool. Talk about a well-rounded experience, beautifully located in Castel Gandolfo, south of the Eternal City. If you've ever been to Castel Gandolfo, get there. It's gorgeous. We'll be right back. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? 
If so, your automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria Mutual Funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria Mutual Funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. The question of gender identity is divisive, controversial, and often painful. How should parents respond to sons and daughters desiring to change their gender? Will the church remain free to teach that we are created male and female? What do the sciences say? We'll find out on March 2nd when Father Gabriel Richard High and Ave Maria Radio host our annual Familiaris Consortio Conference, Responding to Gender Dysphoria in Truth and Charity. Attorney John Bursch takes on gender ideology. Professor of Endocrinology Dr. Paul Cruz covers the sciences. Father Sean Kilcauley speaks as a pastor. And you will bring plenty of questions for our panel. Be there Saturday morning, March 2nd, from 8.15 until noon at Father Gable Richard High in Ann Arbor. The event is free, includes a light breakfast, so register at AveMariaRadio.net or FGRHS.org. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. Welcome back, Catholic Connection, wrapping up a Friday morning. Thanks so much for tuning in to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Wishing you a beautiful weekend. Try to get to the Stations of the Cross. Deacon Dom is leading that tonight, hoping to go with him. Take advantage of all the great resources that are out there to make this Lent the most powerful. We'll talk to you on a Monday with the amazing Father Josh Johnson. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.